It's Women's History Month, and today we are going to take a look at a woman in the Bible. This woman has no name, but her story is important. Are you ready? Come on in and let's see what we can discover. Hey, let's talk about a woman. You know, this is Women's History Month. So let's pull out a woman from the Bible to talk about. Okay, that's what we're going to do today. In 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, beginning at the eighth verse, we're going to talk about this woman who is unnamed. As a matter of fact, she is known by the town in which she resided. And um, she's forever remembered in the writings for her kindness that she showed. Come on, let's let's get into it and let's see what we can discover about this woman in history who is remembered. So the prophet Elisha, he's the one who succeeded Elijah, right? And so he would go to this town called Shunem. And this well-to-do woman lived there. Somehow she encountered Elisha. I don't know how she did it. I don't know if there was a meeting was taking place and Elijah was speaking and she met him at that meeting or he was passing by her house and he looked like he was somebody that was hungry. I don't know. But the Bible says she urged him to stay for a meal at her home, right? So he had to be convinced. She had to convince him to stay at her home for a meal. Now, there was no improper motive uh, with her invitation to Elisha. This woman was married. She didn't have any evil intent uh, for inviting him for a meal. She saw a need and so she met a need. So she gave him this invitation. It had happened so after that first meal, he would come to town and apparently, you know, he would just stop by her house and eat. It had become habit. You know, it had become the standard that he would just eat there all the time. So he knew at least he had a place to eat when he came to the town of Shunem. And it was not a burden. He, he didn't feel unwelcome. He was welcome there. And so that that's where he would go. So one day this woman says to her husband, now she remember is unnamed and so is her husband. His name isn't given either. And so she says to him, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Now, y'all, how many, how many, how many? Probably not many, right? <laughs> not many at all. But this speaks to the character of this woman. It also speaks to the bond that they have established with the prophet Elisha. This woman and this husband, well, first of all, let's just say it this way. This woman knew that this man, Elisha, was a holy man of God. She says she knows 
it. How did she know it? She knew it because she observed his practices. She knew it because she saw, you know, how he behaved, his attitude. She heard it in his uh, talking. She heard it probably in his teaching as well as in his prophecies. And I'm sure the things that he did came to pass. So there was no doubt in her mind, nor her husband's mind, that this thing would be okay to do. Now she did this out of the kindness of her heart. And she went beyond, you know, the minimum. And she just did something just extraordinary. She added a whole room. So that meant that cost them something, right? To keep this prophet at their home whenever he came by. Now, I don't know what the sleeping accommodations were back then. I don't know if Elisha had um, a place where he could go and stay. Like maybe he had to pay for it. I don't know if there was an inn. Yeah, it probably was an inn or some sort of uh, hotel-like building or business, if you will, for travelers. But look, that expense, that burden was taken away from Elisha because of this woman's kindness, because of her kindness. And her husband didn't give her no flack about it. At least that's what the word uh, says. It doesn't give us any indication that it caused any friction between the husband and the wife because of the great expense that they were taking on feeding him and providing shelter to the point that they built this man a whole room. All right. So one day, Elijah, he came to town and he went up to his room. Now he had probably been coming back and forth, but on this particular day, you know, he goes up to the room and he lays down and he's just thinking, you know, like he is appreciating all of this kindness that this woman and her husband have shown to him. And he's probably thinking in his mind, how can we repay her? How can we show gratitude unto her beyond just saying, thank you. So he had his servant Gehazi called the Shunammite woman. And so she came and she stood before him. She came and she stood before Elisha, but Elisha did not talk directly to her. He talked to uh, Gehazi and then had Gehazi say whatever he said to her. Kind of reminds me of like what Moses did with Aaron. He spoke to Aaron and then Aaron spoke to Pharaoh, right? Okay. So I, it, I don't know if it was improper for a man to speak to a woman in private. I don't know, but this is how Elisha did it. He spoke through Gehazi. And what he said was, he says, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? Now, that's what he's saying to this woman. He says, can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? So what Elisha is wanting to, to know is, can we put in a good word for you um, with you know, the king or with the commander of the army? Can we do something that would be a benefit to you that will help you? Because he wanted you know, to show the appreciation that he had for her, for her kindness. And listen at this woman. She says, uh, um, 
I have a home among my own people. In other words, she's saying, I'm fine living where I am. I don't need anything. I have everything that I need. And she turned around and she left. Now, some of us probably would have been like, yeah, tell him that, um, tell the king that I want that property over by such and such. And, or tell the commander to put my husband in charge of, I'm just kidding, y'all. Anyway, she did not want anything. I told you her kindness didn't come with an ulterior motive. This was just out of the goodness of her heart that she saw a need and she was able to meet the need. As a matter of fact, exceed the need, to be, to be honest with you. But she apparently left after saying this, but the thought was still on the mind of Elisha. And so Elijah still wants to show kindness to her. You know, kindness given is kindness reciprocated. Come on, y'all. When someone does something good for you, you want to do something good for them too. And that's where Elisha is. And so he's still thinking about this. And so he says to Gehazi, what can be done for her? Like he has this burden in his heart to do something for her. Well, um, Gehazi was very observant, right? He noticed that this woman had no son. And he said, her husband is old. I don't know how old this woman was. I can't say she was a young uh young woman. I can't say she was old like her husband. Maybe she was in between. Maybe she was still in childbearing years, but her husband was in another age bracket, which could have made conception a little difficult. And so Gehazi knows that. Apparently this excites Elijah because I imagine he was laying down on that bed. Then he sat up and said, call her, call her, call her tell her to get here. And so Gehazi did. And this time the woman comes and she stands in the doorway. Elijah speaks directly to her. This is the prophet given a prophecy. Listen to these words about this time next year. You will hold a son in your arms. What? Now, imagine this scene, right? She's standing in the doorway and I can imagine that, you know, this is one of those deep-seated things that she felt in her heart. And maybe she didn't express to anyone. She went went around, you know, just smiling and being content in the state that she was in. But deep in her heart, she had a longing for a son. She had a longing for her own child. So I can probably see, you know, like the corners of her mouth begin to turn up where a smile is forming. Um, and, and there is excitement in her heart from this word. But at the same time, she's very cautious. At the same time, she's a little fearful because uh, she begins to object to what the man of God has said to her. So I can see that her hands are, you know, coming up over her mouth, you know, because she's trying to contain her joy and, her, and excitement. She's trying not to let herself feel this good thing because she does not want to be disappointed. So she says, no, uh-uh, don't mislead your servant, oh man of God. She said, don't fool me. Mm-mm. Don't play with me. Don't joke with me. Y'all know how that is. Y'all know how we are. 
that this thing that we've been wanting or hoping is said we're going to get, but we're not sure if we're going to get it because it sounds too good to be true. That could be a promise of a raise. It could be a new home. You know, it could be that dream that you have uh, that's been, it's been turning and turning in your heart. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. She didn't want to get her hopes up and then be disappointed. We can identify with that. But you will know if a prophet's real if his word comes to pass. And what we see according to the word, the woman became pregnant. Y'all, that's in verse 17, because that word came to pass. Y'all better hear this. And it came to pass at the time that Elisha said, he said about this same time next year, you will give birth to a son. And she did. Can you imagine the joy in that house? Can you imagine how she and her husband now felt the husband has an heir uh, and she has a son. The stigma of being childless is now removed. And she, you know, I, I don't feel like this woman walked around like feeling like she was less than. I feel like she was respected by other women. But, you know, sometimes we can have our inner turmoil. So now now she has been relieved of that inner turmoil, y'all. And she's thanking God for this child, this joy that she now has in her life. Well, something is about to happen. You know, the child is growing and he's out with his father um, in the fields. And so he begins to complain about a headache or he keeps saying, my head, my head. And so the father told the servant, just carry him to his mother. And uh, once he reaches the mother, he gets in her lap and he stays there until noon. Now, I don't know what time he arrived. I'm assuming that it had to be a few hours uh, because the Bible says that until noon and then he died. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the sadness, okay, that must have overcome this woman's heart as she's sitting there holding her son? I don't know what the dad was thinking. I don't know if he was thinking it was just a little headache and that he was going to send the son into the house to where the mom was and she was just going to comfort him or give him some medicine and then he'll be right back out. But that did not occur. We don't even see the dad going in checking, at least in this biblical account, on the son's well-being. But what happens to me that's odd is this woman's reaction. When her son stops breathing, she does not scream. She does not holler. I don't even believe tears fell down her face. This woman remained calm. You know, she takes her son, she takes him up to the prophet's bed, she lays him on it, she closes the door, and then she goes out. She calls her husband and says to him, send me a servant and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Now, this, the husband is like, okay, but why do you need to see him today? It's, it's not one of the times that we normally go see him. And the woman says, it is well. 
or everything is fine. Everything's going to be all right. She does not tell her husband what has just transpired with their son. It is obvious that she does not look despondent. She doesn't look in despair. She doesn't look like, you know, she's all distraught because the husband does not ask her how she is doing and neither does he ask about the son. He just gives the woman what she has requested and she gets on that donkey y'all and she rides as fast as she can to the man of God and that is Elisha. Well, as she is approaching Mount Carmel, that's where Elijah was, Elijah sees her and he says, that's the Shunammite and he sends Gehazi to go meet her and to ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Listen to this woman. She said, it is well. Everything is all right. Everything is fine. Y'all, we got to stop right here and we have got to take note of this. This woman has yet to say that her son has died. She has not let anyone know that he has stopped breathing. She refuses to let go of this promise that was given to her. Even when someone asked her what's going on, she said, it is well. She said, it is all right. She said, everything is fine. Even for us, it may not be a child. It could be a dream. It could be a, a, a business. It could be something that you um, love. And it seems like the life of that thing has come to a halt and you don't know what to do with it. Well, if we follow the Shunammite, don't give up on it. Don't speak death to it. You know, you got to say it's, it's well everything's all right. You know, it is fine. You know, you got to hang on to your faith because, you know, when you let it go, then that ends the promise. And she was not willing to let go of the promise. So she kept going until she got to the mountain where the man of God was, where Elisha was. She gets off of that donkey and then she grabs the feet of Elijah. Now, Gehazi wasn't trying to hear that, right? He, he tried to push her away, but the man of God said, no, leave her alone, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. Yeah, he knew it. He knew that she had some anguish. He knew she had um, um, some hurt that was in her heart. But look, he says, but I don't know what it is because God has hidden it from me and he hasn't told me the why. Now the woman speaks. And even when she speaks, she does not say this son of hers is dead. She says, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Did not tell you don't raise my hopes. Now, Elisha knows something is wrong with this son. Now, I believe that again, they had relationship. So this affected him too. He had relationship with the mother, the father, and the son. And do y'all know? that none of them are named, not the mother, the father, or the son. So Elijah gives a hurried instruction and he tells Gehazi, tuck in your cloak, 
take my staff in your hand and run. He says, if you meet anyone, don't say nothing to them. He says, if anyone says something to you, don't you dare answer. He said, when you get to that boy, lay my staff on your face. Now the mother said, look, I am not going with Gehazi. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not leaving you. So uh, Elisha got up and he followed her. Now Gehazi had gone on ahead of them and he, you know, went to the house. He put the staff on the boy's face, but there was no response. So he went back to Elijah and told him that the boy has not awakened. And now Elisha comes, he gets to the house and he sees that the boy is lying dead on his couch. Y'all, I'm wondering right now, where is the husband? Like, does he not see all this commotion going on at his house? You know, he's not mentioned in here at all. Hmm, that is so interesting. Anyway, Elisha goes in. It's just him and the boy. He closes the door. And then he begins to pray. He gets on the bed. He lays on the boy. The boy begins to show some um, uh, life returning. Uh, so Elisha gets up and he walks around again. And then he, you know, uh, lays on the boy the second time. And when he lays on him the second time, he sneezes seven times and he wakes up. Y'all, look, the woman got her son back. Elijah gave her son back. She did not give up on her promise. She never spoke against her promise. Her promise was revitalized. Y'all, some of y'all got the same thing going on. You got some promise and maybe, you know, the life of it seems to be going down or that this life has ceased. This is what I wanted you to know about this woman, y'all, that this was a woman of faith. This was a woman who had kindness in her heart that was bubbling over that she had to share it. We see this incident where she shared it with Elisha, but I'm sure she was generous in her neighborhood and in her community. She was well-to-do. If she was well-to-do, she was probably also well-known. She was respected. She was respected by her husband. She almost sounds like this uh, Proverbs 31 woman, right? And her her son will definitely call her blessed because she didn't give up on him. Mothers, don't give up on your son. Continue to pray for him. Get others to pray for him that you know that can get a prayer answered, okay? Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on the promise that God has given you. Just because the thing seems to have stopped breathing, doesn't mean that the life of that thing can't return. You got to give that matter to God because he is the restorer. So this is a woman that we should remember also during Women's History Month that she did not mind sharing her wealth. She didn't mind being generous. She did not mind, you know, being hospitable. She did not mind taking her, her burden back to the Lord who gave the promise to her, right? We got to be people, women 
who are just this way. So we thank you, Father, for this example today. May we also be kind. May we extend hospitality to others. And then when we face obstacles and difficulties, help us, Lord, not to give up on the promise or the dream that you have given. We thank you, Lord. All right, y'all. This has been your Daily Dose. Remember, a daily dose of God's word. Oh, it's good for the soul. Be blessed. Thank you.